on maynard.com.au. AU! It's Bunga Bunga! Bunga Bunga 22 with me, Maynard, and me, Tim Ferguson. The thing with the and the bit that goes... That's a good sound. My favourite sound is this one. I mean, really. We here at Tim Ferguson's Fortress of Arrogance, and the arrogance is thick and dripping from the very walls. Oh, actually, no, that's just we had the bug exterminators in. I feel like I've got a cat up my nose. I walked in here and I've got a bit of a hay fever going on, which is rare for me. Is Kittler to be seen not once again? Yes, Kittler is in hiding because he's terrified of sudden movements in the house. But also, Kittler, he gets up my nose. And in Bunga Bunga 22, you will find Crank Mail. Crank Mail. Maynard's Bug Out Bag. Maynard. The burning social issue. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Tim complains yet again and shows you how it's done. <laughs> That's right. I'm always telling people, what are you tweeting for? What are you writing a letter to the editor? What are you doing? Get on the phone. If you want to be heard, make it heard. Because someone has to waste their precious time listening to whatever it is that you're saying. You're basically pretty stupid. As opposed to just clicking delete. To get the show going, we of course have some Doug Anthony All-Star News. There's a lot of news. We knew Gosford was going on. Godsford was going on, which I think is the same gig. But what else have you announced, Tim? We're coming to Sydney. That's right, Sydney. If you haven't heard of Sydney, Google it. We're coming to Sydney on the something of May. Don't ask me. Sydney, the town named after Sydney Youngblood, who had that hit in the late 80s. Everybody all around the world. Hello, my name is Sydney Youngblood, and you're listening to my man, Mano. They knew that was coming when they called it Sydney. They just had a feeling. The All-Stars are coming to Sydney. One show on at the Enmore Theatre. Just Google it. Find out. You better buy tickets because, as you know, Doug Anthony All-Stars, for no reason I can explain, sell out and we sell out quickly. And you've got the Melbourne shows coming up too for the Melbourne Comedy Festival. You're doing two shows, the one you did last year and the new one, Near Death Experience. In uh, 36 hours, we're doing two entirely different comedy shows. Which should roughly be enough for you to do both those shows because you've got to cut them down. You can't just do the four-hour shows you've been doing. We're having to edit both of them really quite drastically. Hospital Gown, is that going to be in there? The song Hospital Gown is uh, going to be in there. It's a very special, special song. It's very moody. It's a very moody all-star song. The main reason why we're doing two different shows 
on two different nights is because nobody does that. And the All-Stars, if nothing else, we always like to do the things that the other comedians just are smarter than doing. Got to say, Reese Nicholson, stand-up comic, he's got you covered in as far as the good looks photographing kind of thing. None of you guys are wearing bow ties the way he can do it. Reese Nicholson is is our new god. The Doug Anthony All-Stars watch him very closely. He doesn't even know we're watching, <laughs> but we are watching, or we have one of our watchers watch. Hello, darling. We'll get to all your crank mail later, but uh, Jessica Gormisol, she wants UK dates. Can you even say you're even going anywhere near that troubled island? We can't. Only because I'm being told that we can't say that we're going but you can hear from my tone when I say, I can't say that we're going. That's a non-denial denial based upon a denial of something that could or may be happening. Oh. I'm speaking like Donald Trump after a moment's thought. I've actually got a gig coming up. Yeah, you have everybody famous from the 80s coming to Australia. There's that one in July, and we'll get to that later, but in February I'm doing my monthly gig in Newcastle. As you know, we had some issues with the Sydney one that we can't do, but the regular Manadarama gig at the Royal Exchange in Bolton Street, Newcastle, we had one there last month, and this month we're having one on the Saturday, the 13th of February at 8pm, 8pm sharp we start the show. So if you're late, you might miss a little bit, but 8pm sharp, come along, it's 10 bucks and it's a really lovely environment, the Royal Exchange. I've been to all of those gigs that you've done. They're awesome, they're a great amount of fun. You never know who's going to walk in. Well, all your famous mates all turn up. There were some people at the door that sort of wandered in last time. I said, come on in. They sat down, saw what was going on for a while, then wandered off again. You'd get a bit of that in the Dash show. Yeah, they're usually cops. That's 13th of February, 8pm at the Royal Exchange in Newcastle in Bolton Street. See as many of a, as a dozen people there for that show. Oh, yeah, and they'll all be the cool people, the, the cool people of that region. And the thing is, I can't say what I'm doing because... Yeah, but if you're after fun and comedy and fashion, that's what will be happening. You've been uh, fairly mouthy about the Star Wars rewrite that you heard's going on. Now, tell us what you think about this and what it means. What's going on with Star Wars? Yes, the release of Episode Eight has been put back by a couple of months the people at Disney say it's because a rewrite of the script is underway. And my theory is that J.J. Abrams had to work on episode seven and couldn't really get his timetable around working on the next episode. My theory is that he and his co-writers, including especially Lawrence Kasdan, have seen the new script and have gone into it with baseball bats, which is what everybody wants when they're writing a script. You've got to get people in who are dispassionate, who come in and say, wait a second, no way, Luke Skywalker has to be having catering on that island. What would the level of the interference from the men in suits and the accountants be like at the level of the Star Wars movie? Because everybody wants to make money out of it and there'd be a lot of pressure. How would you juggle that, Tim? I imagine that given how good episode seven is, the smart executives at Disney just get the biggest creatives they can and say, you guys, whatever it is, sort it out. Then show it to us later and we'll give you our five cents worth. But for now, just get the smart creatives. Lawrence Kasdan, of course, was the guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back. Of course, if you had your five cents, what one story or bit would you put into the story arc? What would you put in? What would you contribute if you could contribute one idea or thing? C-3PO has to come out. 
Wow. Okay. It's just got to happen. I mean, that's the one thing. It's the one thing nobody talks about in Star Wars. It's a bit like the elves in Lord of the Rings. Nobody mentions the elves and, you know, how come they don't really have many children? How come they're so well-dressed? How come they have all that money? How come they're single? How come they just look so good for people in their late 2000s? It's about time somebody let C-3PO start admiring the shoes. Of course, the other big movie which people are talking about and which you personally have had, again, a mouthy opinion on online is Batman versus Superman. You think we can tell something about the quality of the movie from the length of the trailers they're releasing? The trailers are getting a little bit longer, I think. And that's quite often a sign that poking you, saying you really, really, really want to see this. I don't know. It may be a great film. I'm just a little wary given the muted success of Alien versus Predator. Now, even though they did get an audience, it was an audience that that wasn't huge. They weren't huge films. Given that Predator and Alien were both huge films, you can see why some of them want to combine the franchises. But Batman and Superman, I'm not sure it will double the audience of both those franchises. I've got the answer for that. I thought, put two Pisswig superheroes together. Tony Martin was always going on about this about in the Australian show, The Degeneration. How about the man from Atlantis, Patrick Duffy, I think who was in Dallas, Patrick Duffy versus Powdered Toast Man from Ren and Stimpy. Disguised as Pastor Toastman, the cool youth deacon, Powdered Toast Man works his day job as a government clerk. Powdered Toast Man here. Cripes! Mm-hmm. I'll get right on it. Powdered Toast Man! Hey, I'm saved. Leave everything to me. Have a taste of my hyper-corrosive croutons, arch-villain. Quick, man, cling tenaciously to my buttocks. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And also, and they're fighting Roger Melly, the man from the telly. From Viz Comics, yeah. I love Powdered Toast Man. He could fly backwards, and I think his sworn enemy was a guy who looked a lot like the Pope. Well, I mean, <laughs> the Pope gets told that all the time. Yeah. Do you see Patrick Duffy turning up at conventions, fan conventions for Man from Atlantis? Does that ever happen? I'm not sure. I mean, he, uh, he was the one who had the dream of the last series of Dallas. Oh, yeah. Remember where he woke up and said, oh, no, that series just we came out of where everything happened? It was just a dream. Did, didn't they steal that for the end of Lost as well? I think so, yeah. I, who watched Lost until the end? I mean, I knew they were not going to get found. It's time for Crank Mail. Crank Mail, Crank Mail, Crank Mail. And what little animal is that peeing into the jar from a great height today, Tim Ferguson? Well, the tiny little animal is, in fact, a very big animal. It's an elephant, but it's wearing a... uh, It's what's called a restrictor. A cock ring. (laughs) That's the one. It's an elephant with a cock ring. So that's why you had the very intense squirt. I think we've edited that so it's a lot shorter. Let's see that again. Oh, yeah. But, of course, it keeps going for about 20 minutes. And, of course, you can contact us through the Bunga Bunga Facebook page. Please join up there through the Maynard Facebook page. You can send an email to maynard at maynard.com.au or you can tweet Tim at... Real Tim Ferguson, just like I told the lady from The Australian... Or Maynard Comau, Maynard, M-A-Y-N-A-R-D-C-O-M-A-U, Maynard Comau, all one word. Too much! Michelle Franklin writes, she asks, is enjoying eating a cold pie in a 
pie-eating relay race wrong. I'll read that again just so you understand. Michelle writes, is enjoying eating a cold pie in a pie-eating relay race wrong? We asked Monsignor Ferguson about that. What is wrong about eating a cold pie and enjoying it in a relay race? And I'm not quite sure if it's a relay race of eating pies or whether they're running and handing pies to each other. I'm not clear. Well, I mean, it's okay if you enjoy that kind of thing, but I think the crowd would enjoy it more if it was a hot pie. Just the expression on your face. A very hot pie. A very, very hot pie. I think that would be very funny to watch as you try to eat it as quickly as you can. And your esophagus tries to leap out of your throat. Yeah, but I mean, you know, eating a cold pie, it's un-Australian to eat a hot pie. Oliver Udall writes... Uh, sorry, I forgot the surname wrong, Oliver. Oliver Udall writes, What's your opinion of the latest Triple J Hottest 100? Over to DJ Fatboy Ferguson. The simple fact is your grandparents got your surname wrong. I think Mumford and Sons probably won again, and congratulations to them. What was the question? When you say Triple J Hot 100, my mind goes, beep. We all know there's only one real Hot 100, and that was the first two in which you could vote for any record of any time. And I think we had Lobel Terrace apart, and then Nirvana won the second one. And really, you didn't ever need to have any more. Really? There are 100 songs, really, every year? I really stopped listening to the Hot 100 when they had that oops moment where every artist in the Hot 100 was a man. And, you know, call me crazy, but I like Madonna and Taylor Swift and chick music. Who is the winner of the Triple J Hottest 100? Oh, that's that's easy. Sony. <laughs> the other reason why I'm not interested in the Hot 100 is the average audience member, the mean age of the Triple J audience is 41. And I'm not interested in the cool, independent music that old people like. Certainly a few years ago, the average age of the general ABC radio audience was getting into the 70s. That's good. You know, the TV needs to be watched by someone these days, but it's true. New tricks, new tricks. That's why new tricks are so popular. It's all right, it's okay. Doesn't really matter if you're old and grey. Oh, yeah, yeah, they love that stuff, that pointless show. They love that stuff. Q&A. Yes. Q&A, which has Q, but very little A. Very little A, and certainly no T. Sue Wilden writes... We are very excited about the new Dad's Army movie. So you should be, Sue, but is my dad? Let's hear if my dad is interested about the new Dad's Army movie. There's a bit of a question mark on this to tackle something like this as quite a big, big deal. Comedy's change in every possible ways. To try and measure the cast up of the new production against the old production is a very big task. At this stage, I'd like to uh, reserve just exactly to what I think. What about you, Tim? You're obviously the Corporal Jones of Australian comedy. What do you think of the... Have you seen the little bit of a trailer that there is? I have seen the trailer and, look, it looks like great fun. You've got Bill Nye there. He's a funny guy. An enemy spy is operating somewhere near here. I'll catch him, sir. What does he look like? We don't know, Frank. That's rather the point with spies. Stupid boy. And they even get a good stupid boy joke in. I'm expecting really good things. I think Dad's Army was such a well-written series and you've got such great comic actors. I reckon it'll do really well. Shell Lancaster writes, What do you two do to relax? Well... 
thank you for that question, Shell. And I actually haven't relaxed since 2001. What about you, Tim? Yeah, I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> Neither of us really stops. Relaxing is what people do when they go to Bali and get, you know, their hair, what is it, plaited. Relaxing is what people do when they go for massages and let strangers touch their bodies. Yeah. Well, so you've got to understand, I'm unemployed. So when I wake up in the morning, I go, I go, Corporal Jones, panic, panic. And when Tim wakes up in the morning, he's got like 18 projects to work on. He spins the project wheel, one comes up and away you go. And I always wake up to this music. I'm on the drug, I'm on the drug, I'm on the drug. No wonder you leap out of bed like a gazelle. Yeah, you've got to keep moving. Relaxing is an idea that was developed in California that if you relax, if you just let it go, your life will somehow be enriched, that your health will be improved. I don't believe that. I think life is for living. And if you're not a little bit tired and a little bit stressed at all times, you're not doing enough. And you're just spending too much time in your own head. So get up off whatever bench you're lying on naked and go and do something, for God's sake. It's an answer for you there, Shell. Leonie Lynch writes, how do you celebrate Australia Day? We have mentioned this, and uh, I said probably the best thing is to say nothing, and that way you won't get in trouble from anybody, but then you can get in trouble for saying nothing. Oh, yes, Simon Taylor, the comedian, had a great tweet. He was writing for Leno there for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, one of Leno's writers. Simon said, and I'll be paraphrasing, no matter what you say about Australia Day, you will offend someone. What do I do on Australia Day? I work and keep doing stuff. I've got no interest in Australia Day. I find it interesting that we have an Australian of the Year only because I like the funny choice that a committee makes. Did you uh, read the poem out loud as you often do in the street? You get your little orange cray out and you go, Captain Cook, the dirty chook, did a poop behind the kitchen door. Did you do that one? That's a classic. I think Banjo Patterson might have originally written that. I think it's very Australian to say exactly that. push. Mark O'Brien comes in here with the question, if a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? That didn't work out so well for the girl in Goldfinger. Tim, what do you think? I've got a painting of me, so I don't need one. Also, I think Telly Savalas's version of that song, If, is perhaps its best. If a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? How come you guys haven't done that? A Doug Anthony All-Star version of if a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? Uh, we live that. But yeah, I do have a portrait of me by uh, Scottish artist Roddie Kerr. He's a great painter and he it's, said... Can we see it anywhere online? Is it on your Facebook page or anything? Yeah, if you look around, you'll see I'll be wearing this sort of red fool's outfit from the 1600s and I'm very proud to have it on my wall despite the fact that it's got me in it. I would rather that it had Paul McDermott sitting in a silly suit. And now the moment that has changed cultural history in this country, in fact, all of Oceania, wherever the hell that is, forever, it's... What's in Maynard's back out? Bad. Thank you, Tim Ferguson, voiceover man of the century. It is this book, which I got from Sappho's Books, just down the road in Gleepoint Road. Wow, Hitler's Airwaves by Hearst J.P. Bergmeister and Rainer E. Lotz. The inside story 
of Nazi radio broadcasting. And it's more like their English broadcasts, the outside world, their propaganda stuff. And they get a CD with it. And one of the items on the CD is uh, Lord Hawhaw, of course, who was an Englishman who broadcast to, uh, I think he was hung for his treason at the end of the war. This is his last broadcast, the day before the Allies burst in and took over the whole place. He's obviously clearly very drunk. Let's have a listen to Lord Hawhaw on his last broadcast in May 1945. I am talking to you about Germany. That is a concept that many of you may have failed to understand. And therefore I say to you in these last words, Es liebe Deutschland. I think he'd been doing some tequila shots there, Tim. It's almost like drunk histories made real. He was captured a few days later in a forest near there and treason and was hung for his actions. That's got to hurt. The thing about doing propaganda radio is... If you're on the losing side. Yeah, if you're on the losing side, everybody finds out about it. If you're on the winning side, nobody ever mentions all the British broadcasts that were going into Germany, that were in German saying, you will lose, this isn't going well, the Fuhrer wears panties. This is Germany calling, calling for the last time from Station Hamburg. For Mr Joyce, Lord Hawhaw to most of us in Britain has been most unfortunately interrupted in his broadcasting career and at present has left rather hurriedly for a vacation. And in his place, this is the BBC. I wonder if they have that today, that sort of propaganda wing. Well, they've got Deutsche Welle. <laughs> Maybe someone's broadcasting something into North Korea. Oh, definitely. You, you would have Voice of America. Donald Trump will fix that up. He'll make it compulsory. I like it when you find little-known bits of history that you, you don't know all about, but that's what's in Maynard's Bug Out Bag featuring Lord Hawhaw. Let's have a bit of that pissed style once again. I can remember when I cast my memory back. Germany, if you like, anymore. Oh, that's just great. He really gets behind it. Churchill used to broadcast drunk. Why wouldn't you? Most of Australia's radio personalities, particularly the early morning people, are still <laughs> half cranked by the time they go to air with their deep voices and traffic updates. And that sound, dear listener, means that we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. These are people who donate a little bit every month to patreon.com slash Maynard and keep the Planet Maynard podcast on the air. And I really appreciate it. I would like to thank Nick, Patricia, Peter, Kirsty, Christy, Sue, Mel, Gregory, Norman, Richard, Mark, Andrew, Lindley, Angela, Howard, John, Danny, Katrina, Rebecca, Jeanette, Claire, Katie, Jeremy, Shell, Craig, Mark and Daniel. And there's also Leonie, Grant, Angus, David, Daryl, Belinda, Ben. The list goes on. Oh, no, it doesn't. What a great bunch of people. Let's hear the masses applaud. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that was me. Could you hear me in the going, just in the background? <laughs> Thank you for your support, and we appreciate all the money. It certainly goes into making the show and making Planet Maynard come out every week for you, and I hope you enjoy it. And also, the people who are Patreon supporters, I've been sending them messages because they can pick the music that goes into the background. Do we know we need, we need something cheesy, something instrumental, much like what you're hearing now? 
We thank you for your support. Oh, we also would like to thank DNC Lifestyles for their support of the show too. If you've got a cat, if you've got a dog, they've got something for you. In fact, Tim thinks that any other animal can be helped by DNC Lifestyles. If you want any kind of accoutrement for your petoir, DNC Lifestyles are the people. They've got all sorts of weird places for cats to play and for dogs to live. Penrith. Yeah, and well worth going in and having a look. D and C Lifestyles is where Kittler prefers to shop. Who hasn't made an appearance yet, but I'm sure he's just around the corner there. Let's open the burning social issue. This is what people are talking about somewhere near here. That's right, a burning, ow, a burning social issue, ow. I went to the L website of the L magazine, because I know you're a hell of a fashion guy, Tim. They were talking about the new Calvin Klein commercial that's going. I was thinking, what about the comfy undies versus lucky undies debate? Can comfy undies be lucky undies? What do you think? Comfy undies can be lucky undies, but only in the context of marriage, where all other options are blocked off. The new Calvin's campaign is going, I blank, 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 in my Calvin's. I came up with, I fart in my Calvin's was the first one I came up with, or I go broke charging very expensive underwear to my credit card in my Calvin's. What would you think, Tim? I blank, 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 in my Calvin's. I let other people fart in my Calvins. Let's open our minds. A couple of ideas, perfectly royalty-free to Elle magazine. Have you ever been in Vogue or anything like that, Tim? Have you ever got into these fashion magazines? Come on, Vogue, come on, Vogue. Let your body move to the music. Hey, 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 come on, Vogue. Uh, no. That haircut? Uh, You would think that, but no, for some reason. I think that Doug Anthony All-Stars got into Vogue once, actually, but it was just a little article that we were playing at the Comedy Cafe in Melbourne, a tiny little cafe, and the year was 1968. First press I actually got doing radio was actually, I think, in pretty much Vogue magazine. They took a photo of me lying on the floor and there was a little thing about this weird guy doing some stuff. I think that's the only thing I ever got in Vogue magazine. Because either we're not in Vogue or they're not. Well, let's think about that. Aren't we good looking? We're cool. We wear the same clothes all the time. We're sticking to our image. To quote David Byrne of Talking Heads, wear the same thing all the time and people are more likely to remember you. I must never underestimate the power of a good hairdo. And also saves on other clothes. Yeah. Just look at the guy in Monk, that detective. You know immediately what he's going to wear. And you know it'll be clean. The Fifty Shades of Grey guy always wore the same suit. Fifty Shades of Grey, just like Mickey Rock. Yeah, in nine and a half weeks. All his suits were the same. Nobody ever complained. One of the questions they were asking on the L website, and I thought, well, obviously, I've got to go to Ferguson for this. You know, you're a man who has been around a few ladies. Should a slip dress be worn outside the house? Over to fashion correspondent Ghetto Ferguson. Slut! That's all it says. I mean, if you're wearing a slip dress, doesn't matter if you're wearing hiking boots, gum boots, or high heels, you look like and are acting like a slut and good on you. I'm not saying that's bad, but don't go thinking that you can be prudish or get respect from nuns. Do you think we might see the return of the enigma of pants or skirt? Remember there was that time where you would wear a skirt over jeans in the mid nineties there. Do you think we might see a return to that? People going, are you wearing jeans? Are you wearing a skirt? Are you wearing both? 
try wearing perhaps a skirt under your jeans so you have a weird sort of bulgy there's just weird bulges i think that was tried in the 80s that was called wearing levi 501s if you remember they could make anyone look bulgy in the middle no matter what size they were they even made me look like i'd had too many burgers and as you can see i'm quite skeletal that's the burning social issue fucking solved, so up your bum. Hello, this is Simon Le Bon here with Maynard. Up your bum, chum. <laughs> well, I don't think we have to put it that way. I think it's right up your bum. <laughs> Time for Tim's historical hypothetical. Uh-oh, what's going to happen now? I put Tim in a time and a place in history and go, man, so now what? Bring it on, bring it on. I actually don't know what you're going to bring it on, so maybe I shouldn't say that. Tim's historical hypothetical. Today, the date is the 8th of March, 2014. I know what it is, I know what it is. The place is Kuala Lumpur International Airport. No, I'm not quite sure what it is. You are the pilot of Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. Shortly after 1.22 in the morning, you disappear from radar as you cross the Malay Peninsula. What happened, Tim? Well, you know, people talk about aliens and they always roll their eyes. The fact is they are real. And I've spoken to many pilots in the Northwestern Territory and they'll tell you, yeah, yeah, they're around. What happened was... Aliens took the plane because people have to accept that not all alien vehicles fly very well and the 747 or whatever it was, it's a very reliable vehicle. So you're suggesting that they were after the in-flight movie? Oh yeah, they were after the in-flight movie. Night at the Museum 2. It's up to three now. Yeah, it was aliens and I know that because I read some really convincing theories on Google, of all places. Google. Did you participate in the search for Flight 370 yourself? Did you bother to go online and look at some old non-real-time photos in Google and find it? Well, I asked some aliens and they just sort of shrugged with their antlers. There's your answer. Aliens took Flight 370 from Tim Ferguson's historical hypothetical. Now I know what it was. Now I know what it was. Well done, Tim. We save people a lot of time with this show. Sure, you could read books. Sure, you could ask someone who actually knows. But why bother when you can come to us? Just come to us and we'll give you a general idea of where you may be able to find the correct information. Your problem is you've been running around with a bad crowd. Hello, what's that sound? It's time for one that's been off the show for a while now. It's usually labour-intensive on my part, but I'm up for it. It's a sound request from Tim Ferguson. I would like the sound to be Donald Trump shaving himself with a carrot. We need to have it really turned up very loud. We need the sound magnified. Shaving with a carrot. Are you serious? Apologies for freedom. I can't handle this. There you go. Who would have thought that he would have recorded that? We're rushing towards the end of Bunga Bunga 22. And remember, if you want to get some crank mail in, you've got to go to the Bunga Bunga Facebook page, maynard at maynard.com.au, maynard comau, all one word, maynard comau on Twitter. And uh, Tim, you again? 
I'm at Real Tim Ferguson on Twitter, so just go there. You can always go to www.cheekymonkeycomedy.com for all the Doug Anthony All-Stars news. We always ask Tim about musical groups, and one musical group that he's been strangely silent on, probably because we haven't asked him, is the Thompson Twins. Lies. Lies, 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 yeah. Lies, 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 yeah. Lay your hands on me. Don't mess with Dr. Dream. All of those hits from the Thompson Twins. Of course, there's a New Zealand member of the group. Tim, Thompson Twins, big effect on your life or not? If Morrissey was a musician, he would sound like the Thompson Twins. I was never big on the Thompson Twins. What have they ever done to you? They shot my dog. (laughs) But I've moved past that. Thompson Twins, there were Thompson Twin people and most of those people were not people that I liked. Richard Feidler? Yeah, Richard Feidler was big on the Thompson Twins. Listen to this one, he'd say. You've got to imagine if Morrissey could sing anything useful, he wouldn't be in the Thompsons. Have you ever been at a nightclub and found yourself, because of the way it was mixed together, dancing to a group you really despise or a song you don't like and getting carried away and going, oh, I forgot I hate this song? Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. The hardware club in Melbourne, that might have happened at. Oh, yeah, at the hardware club, uh, Hellfire Club, you have to dance. I mean, at the Hellfire Club, you don't have any choice. Dance, dance, otherwise... Thompson Twins, they're no KLF. They are no KLF. They're no acronym at all. Bring us on home now with Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question no one asked. Don't expect too much. Donald Trump will be good for Australia. He'll be bad for America, but great for Australia. Because a lot of great American people are going to want to move here. And I really like Americans personally. And usually people like Americans personally. It's just en masse, we don't like entire buffs fulls of them. Like their popular culture, not so hot on their foreign policy. And a tourist bus full of Americans coming to Bondi, really, please, just split up because you're very noisy. Take them one at a time. Americans are dynamic, they're very optimistic, and, of course, they'll be running in fear. So it will be our pleasure, as Australia always does, to have our open arms ready to take the Americans. That's Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a um, sort of immigration issue you never know existed and doesn't just yet. (laughs) Not yet, but just you watch. And yes, Donald Trump probably will become the next president of the United States. And what do you think about them having Bernie Sanders, a communist, potentially running? I think that's great fun. I mean, what are communists doing in a democracy? I like how other Jewish people have described him as being too Jewish. When New York Jews come out and go, Bernie, he's too Jewish. Bernie Sanders, like, is kind of interesting. He's the sort of guy California will vote for because he approves of vegetables and he complains about Wall Street and other unstoppable things. Don't expect too much. You've been listening to Bunga Bunga 22 coming into your earwaves. Who knows when Bunga Bunga 23 is going to be around? Let's hear it for Tim Ferguson. Yay! And Maynard! Maynard! You've been listening to... uh, Bunga Bunga! Bunga Bunga!
deal with it. On maynard.com.au. AU! Yeah.